doing some reading this week and I found out that <clears throat> lots of people work really hard to stay connected in our world today. Uh, you probably, it's become a big business in our culture to stay connected. You probably are familiar with social media sites like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, Pinterest, Snapchat, Twitter, all of those and probably some more are very popular in our world because it gives us instant access to family and friends. And I did a little research, I found out that 70% of the United States population has an active social media account right now. 72% of the U.S. population has a social media profile. That's amazing to me. But then the the stat that really blew my mind was the average person will spend 5.7 years of their life on social media between the ages of 16 to 70. 5.7 years of your life doing this. And I found out that the average daily time on social media in the United States The average daily time is two hours and eight minutes every day doing this. Staying connected is very important in our society. That's my point. It's a priority, actually, for many, many people. In fact, I want to show you that right now. Uh, I want you to be brave enough to raise your hand. There's nothing wrong with the question I'm about to ask you, but how many of you have already been on social media in some form this morning? My hand's up because I have. Alright? That's probably at least half or more. You've already been on social media already today. I want you to think about this now. What if? What if staying connected to God was just as important to us as staying connected to others? Or maybe I could ask it this way. What if intimacy with God became a daily priority in our lives like social media is? Think about that for a moment. What kind of relationship do you have with the Lord right now? There's lots of ways to answer that question. What kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? As I thought about it this week, I I began to rank the different types of relationships that that people have with God. Probably the, there's five levels that as I've developed this, I said on the very first level, the very first level would, would be this. We know God is creator, and so that would include everybody, right? Everybody here today, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, you might be an atheist, you may, not, you may believe that you came from, you know, evolved out of something, and, and, and if that's your belief, okay, but I just want you to know that everybody in the world, everybody listening today, we all have th- at least this relationship with God because God created us. So we all, have, we all start out there. We all have that kind of a relationship with God because God created us. And then there's a second level, and that would be we see God as a distant deity. You believe there's a God, but He's a distant deity. And you're not sure what it involves. You're not sure if you can know Him, but He's way out there somewhere. You believe that He's real. You believe there is a God, but He's a distant deity. And that's perhaps the belief of some folks maybe even here today, that God to you is just this kind of a distant deity somewhere. And then the third level would be acquaintance. You've grown up knowing and hearing about God. Maybe you've grown up as a church person. And when you refer to God, you often refer to Him as the man upstairs. And sometimes you even talk to the man upstairs. God is more of an acquaintance to you. You believe in Him. uh, You kind of know Him. 
and he's, he's an acquaintance. And then the fourth level would be, of course, the level of Savior. You have repented of your sins by faith. You have claimed God's Son as your Savior. And the best day of your life was the day He changed your life. And a lot of you would say, that's where I am. I, I, I know Him as Savior. He's not a distant deity to me. He's not an acquaintance to me. I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I have claimed Him by faith as my Savior. A lot of you are there. But then there is what I call a fifth level, and that would be intimate relationship. You see, God has made us to relate to Him. And that's what it means to be made in God's image. We're made in the image of God because we have a spirit that can relate to His spirit. We have the potential to know God and relate to Him, a a spiritual oneness, if you will, that can be lived out day by day. Now here's what I found over the years. Staying at level 5 is not as easy as you think it would be. Can we get honest? We all want intimate relationship with God, but we don't always want to pay the price for that to happen. Can we be honest and say, you know what I found? It's so easy to slide from level 5 into that intimate relationship with God. It's so easy to slide back to level 4. You see... Level four is where it's comfortable. Level four is I know God is my Savior. Level four is I know I'm going to heaven. Level four is I know I'm not going to hell. Level four is I know God is someone I can turn to. God is someone I can talk to. God is someone I can trust in. We all know the comfort of level four. But staying at level five in an intimate relationship with God is not as easy as you think it is. In fact, here's the wild thing that I've discovered. The busier you get serving God, the harder it is to maintain intimacy. Now I want to be real, close, I'll be real clear that I'm, I'm preaching to a particular group of people today. Anybody that's a leader. I'm speaking to the staff. I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to the deacons. I'm speaking to our BSF teachers. I'm speaking to our children and youth workers. I'm speaking to our worship team. I'm speaking to parents. Anybody that's a leader... A Christian leader, you need this message. Because sometimes I'm so busy doing things for God and for others, it's easy not to take the time to cultivate my relationship with Him. The Lord reminded me lately that we can't stay faithful and fruitful in ministry in the long haul if we're trying to live on our past experiences with God. Trying to live on your past experiences with God will not keep you fruitful in ministry. Living on your past experiences with God will not keep you faithful in ministry. So I want to talk to you today about intimacy with God. And let me describe it to you this way. Intimacy with God is when my devotion to Him is greater than my service to Him. If this makes sense. When my devotion to Him, what I... My, my devotion to Him, when that's greater than the things I do for Him, that's intimacy with God. That's what intimacy with God looks like. That my heart for Him is greater than all the things that I do for Him. That's intimacy with God. Now too often we get that backward. Our devotion to Him is less than our service to Him. Or to say it another way, we get busy doing things for Him but not spending time with Him. 
Henry Blackaby said it this way. He said, we are so activity-oriented that we assume we're saved for a task to perform rather than a relationship to enjoy. I want to tell you where this message came from. This message came out of my daily Bible reading this week. Uh, I'm doing the daily Bible reading plan that many of you are doing, and this week, I think it was on Tuesday, I don't remember the exact day, but we were reading in, in the book of Matthew, and when I came to Matthew chapter 14, well, there's a passage of Scripture there that just grabbed my attention. Has God ever highlighted verses for you, you know, as you're reading it, it's like, hey, you need this. I mean, it's, it's just like God's pointing His finger, you need this. That was me as I was reading Matthew chapter 14. So take up God's Word, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew, the 14th chapter, I want you to pray with me before we get too far into the message. Father, I pray that once again you'll speak through your word. I pray that your word would go forth and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would meet you today in this text. I pray that once again your word would be alive, not because of my ideas, not because of my voice, but I pray we would encounter the living God through your living word. I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray for the fresh anointing and filling of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, let me give you the context. In the first 12 verses, it's the story of of John the Baptist being beheaded. John the Baptist, that great man of God, that great prophet of God, beheaded by the king. And it says in verse 12, at the end of that that section of Scripture, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Now you need to remember that John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother were related. The Bible doesn't say how they're related. We sometimes assume that they were cousins, but we don't know for sure. It just says that Mary went to see her relative, Elizabeth. So John the Baptist was a distant relative of Jesus in some form or fashion. But beyond that, you know that John was sent to this world just like Jesus was sent to this world John was sent with a purpose like Jesus was sent with a purpose. John's purpose was to come and announce the coming of Jesus Christ. He was the forerunner to announce the coming of Jesus Christ. So John and Jesus had a special relationship. And so John's disciples went to tell Jesus that John the Baptist had been beheaded. So we pick up the story in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Sometimes you just have to go grieve alone with God. When Jesus heard what happened to his friend and to his relative, John the Baptist, he got in a boat by himself and he went off to a solitary place to grieve alone with God. Now, Pick up the story. In the middle of verse 13, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. In other words, when they heard that Jesus, and when they saw that Jesus was in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee, they they determined, we can get over there. And so they went around the Sea of Galilee, they went around the lake, trying to get over to where he was going. 
So it says in verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was aggravated. Is that what it says in your Bible? That's what it would have said if I'd written it. Because ministry never ends. No matter what's going on in your life, somebody else has a need. Ministry never ends. And so when Jesus, trying to get away, trying to get alone and be with God, grieving probably over John the Baptist, and he's in this boat by himself, he's trying to get over there to a solitary place, and when he gets over there, there's a large crowd with their hands out. And I love what it says. When Jesus, verse 14, landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Then in verse 15, Jesus' disciples, later in the day, came to him with some advice. You can just file this little nugget away. Whenever the disciples came to Jesus with advice, it didn't go well. They thought they had a good idea, but they rarely did. So, Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is, a, this is a what kind of a place? Talk to me. This is a what? A remote place. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. That's why I came here. In verse 13, it talks about a, a solitary place. His disciples call it a remote place. They're like, man, there's not a McDonald's anywhere out here. We, we can't feed this crowd. This is a remote place. Send them away so they can go home and get something to eat. Then there's that famous time, that famous statement where Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And then he, he goes about performing this miracle of feeding the 5,000. But we, as we read through this text, we find down in verse 21, of course, that there were more than 5,000. Verse 21 says, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. In other words, if every man had his wife there and one child, it wasn't 5,000, it was closer to 15,000. A minimum probably of 10,000. So this was an enormous crowd of people standing there wanting to see the next miracle, wanting to have their, their needs met, and Jesus took the time to deal with every one of them. And then, this is where we get to our text. Immediately after feeding the 5,000, here's what we read, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. But when evening came, he was there alone. Now, when I read those verses this week, those are the verses that grabbed my attention. Those are the verses where it's like God put his finger on the page and said, I don't mean literally, but it's like he put his finger on the page and said, right there, go back and read that again. Read it again. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and eventually I picked up my pen. And I don't often tell you what I write in my personal study Bible, but these are the notes that I wrote in the column of that passage. Verses 22 and 23. If you were to look in my study Bible, I wrote on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side of those two verses these words. I wrote, first of all, after helping the crowds, Jesus got alone with God. Now, just let that sink in for a moment. After helping the crowds, Jesus saw the need to get alone with God. And then I wrote on the the other side in the column these words, don't get so busy with the crowds that you lose intimacy with God. Robert Murray McShane said it this way. He said, no amount of activity in the king's service will make up for neglect of the king himself. I love that. 
Jesus modeled for us what it's like to make intimacy with God a priority in our lives. In the busyness of His ministry, He modeled for us what it's like to make intimacy with God a priority in our lives. Let me show you how Jesus did it. He did three things in verse 23. Three very simple things that made intimacy with God possible. And here's the good news. You and I can do those same three things to help us have intimacy with our Heavenly Father as well. This is not a complicated outline, but it could be a powerful outline if you put it into practice. So here's the three things Jesus did. Here's the first one. Get away. If you want intimacy with God, there are times you just have to get away. Look at the text with me. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside. That was the practice of Jesus. To physically move his body from where he is and get away and go somewhere else. Verse 13, let me remind you, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. He was getting away. When he heard about John the Baptist, he was getting away. So he got in a boat and got tried to go to a solitary place. But of course, when he got there, the crowds were already there waiting on him. And so in verse 15, in this remote place, the Bible says that after he dealt with the crowds and dealt with the disciples, that he went up on a mountainside. Because if you're going to have intimacy with God, sometimes you just got to get away. Finding time to get away and be with God is not always easy. I can show you that in the life of Jesus. Look at Luke 4.42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to what kind of a place? Talk to him. He went out to a solitary place. You know why he went to a solitary place? Because he wanted to get away. But can you imagine how popular Jesus was? Everywhere he went, the crowds would follow him. In fact, they would get there before he got there. He was extremely popular. It was so hard for him just to be alone. So how in the world was he going to find a way to be alone? Look at the text. At daybreak. While everybody else was sleeping. Because it was such a priority in his life. He got up at daybreak. To get away. To go to a solitary place. Let me show you another one. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Very early in the morning. Again, another similar statement. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. There it is again, where he prayed. It's interesting how Mark just stacks one phrase on top of another to emphasize all that Jesus did in order to just get away. What a priority this was in his life. Let's just walk through the text. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Finding time away from others to spend time with God is not easy. Nor was it easy for Jesus. So He got up before daybreak in order to do it. So here's my, my application for you and I. As often as you can, and I'm not going to be legalistic and say do it this many times a week or whatever, but as often as you can, find a place to get away from everything and everyone. Physically remove yourself from where you are. 
to some other location. Physically get away from everything and everyone. By the way, my suggestion, don't take your phone when you go. I tried to practice this on Friday. I tried to get away. My phone was ringing. It was emails. It was text messages. And if you called me or or text message, don't feel bad about it. I'm not blaming you. But I'm telling you, that phone was just buzzing the entire day. You know what? I, I learned something on Friday. You know what it is? God can't have intimate time with me if I take everybody in my phone with me. I don't know how many contacts I have in my phone. Let's say I've got a thousand. It's hard for me to have intimate time with God if I've got a thousand people waiting on me when I try to talk to Him. A thousand people have instant access to me. And I'm trying to have access to my Heavenly Father. So you figure out how it works for you. You may need to just turn your phone off or leave it at home. But get away. If you want to have intimacy with God... Now, where could you do that? Let's just try to be very practical. Where in the world could you get away? Let's just think through that for a moment. Maybe you could just go take a walk. Physically leave your house, leave everybody behind, and by yourself go take a walk so you can talk with God. Or maybe you go sit in a park, or maybe you go sit by the lake. Jesus did that often. The Bible talks about him going to sit by the lake. If you can't do any of those things, maybe go sit in your car in the garage. Maybe go sit in your backyard. Or maybe, here's another idea, maybe go to our prayer room. Did you know we've got a prayer room? Can I tell you where it is? It's right behind that wall right there, right there in that corner. Did you know that we have developed a beautiful prayer room, and it's open during business hours, Monday through Friday, uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. All you've got to do is just, just come over here. You don't have to sign up, just show up. And you just go to the prayer room. You don't have to explain anything, do anything. You just come in the door and go to the prayer room. And there's the place we've designed it just for you. So that you can physically get away from one location and come to this location and spend time alone with God. Here's what I'm learning. I haven't learned it. Here's what I'm learning. When you get away and spend time alone with God, what happens is, and the more you do that, what happens is what's on His heart begins to get on your heart. That's called intimacy with God. So get, get away. Number two, Very simple outline. Get alone. Look at the text with me again. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside. What's the next two words in the NIV? He went up on a mountainside by himself. The text emphasizes how hard it was for Jesus to do that. How hard it was for Jesus to go up on that mountainside by himself. Verse 22 shows us how hard it was for him to do that. Look at verse 22. Look at the first word. Immediately. That word immediately, there's a sense of urgency there, right? Immediately denotes a sense of urgency. Immediately after feeding the 5,000, Jesus felt this urgency to get the disciples out of that situation, away from, from the crowd. Now, why was he so urgent to get the disciples to get on the boat? Look what it says. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Why? We don't know for sure, but in John chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000, in John's account of that gospel, in John chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000, the crowd wanted to take Jesus by force and make him king. And it's possible that the disciples were getting excited about that possibility too. That as that crowd of 10 or 15,000 people were, were excited about 
taking this miracle worker who gave them bread. Let's, let's make him our king. And, and probably the disciples were saying, yeah. So immediately, after feeding the 5,000, immediately Jesus, as perhaps they were getting caught up in the excitement, he, he got the disciples in the boat. But there's another word in this verse I want you to see. It's the word made. Immediately, a sense of urgency, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. The, the Greek word is anakadzo. Anakad, say it with me, anakadzo. Say it with me, anakadzo. You know Greek now. Anakadzo means to compel or to force. To compel or to force. Let me give you an example of anakadzo. My, my daughter Kelly... I haven't talked to you about the, the world's greatest grandbaby in a long time, but she's not a baby anymore. She's four. And she went the other day to the doctor, and Kelly didn't realize it, but they were going to give Lily shots. And when Lily found out that, that she was getting shots that day, she just lost it. She just went ballistic. She got in the corner of, of that little room, that examination room, and she was screaming and crying, and she was cowering in fear. I mean, have you ever been to the doctor's office and you hear this blood-curdling cry? That was my granddaughter. And she was just absolutely lost. And, and Kelly did everything she knew to do. <laughs> it was funny. She later called Lisa and said, I remember when I was about that age that I did that to you. I'm calling to apologize. <laughs> So Kelly did everything she knew to do. She tried to rationalize with her and bribe her. You can't rationalize with a four-year-old who's terrified of getting shots. She tries to say, honey, if you'll just get these shots, we'll go right after we get the shots, we'll get a big bag of Skittles. That didn't work, so she had to elevate it a little, escalate it a little bit. Say, hey, hey, listen, listen, if you'll calm down and get the shots, we'll go get a Barbie. We'll go get a brand new Barbie doll. That didn't work, so we'll go get two Barbie dolls. And it just wasn't working. So eventually, they got her on the table. They picked her up. They set her on the examination table. She is screaming and fighting to such a degree, it took three nurses and Kelly to hold her down. Now, here's what Kelly did. Kelly, Anakadzo, Lily, she laid on top of her. She literally laid across her to hold her down. That's Anakadzo. It means to compel or to force Jesus didn't ask the disciples to get in the boat. Jesus didn't even tell the disciples to get in the boat. He didn't even urge the disciples to get in the boat. The Bible says He anakadzoed them. He compelled them. He forced them to get in the boat. You know why? They didn't want to get in the boat. It's too exciting. Man, you see what's happening here? We don't want to leave this. But Jesus, watch this, don't miss this. Jesus insisted, he compelled them, he forced them to get in the boat so that he could get alone with his heavenly Father. Sometimes you have to fight for time alone with God. Sometimes you have to fight for time alone with God. It has to be a great priority in your life. Now, in addition to that, there's one other word in verse 22 I want to call to your attention. It's the phrase, then he dismissed the crowd. He forced the disciples to get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. That word dismissed is an interesting word as well. The word dismissed, it means to release or to send away. In other uh, 
places in the Bible, that same word is used, and sometimes it's translated divorce. He divorced the crowd. He sent the crowd away. The, the idea here is that you've got a crowd of 5, 10, 15,000 people, and, and they're not leaving. And I don't blame them. I don't think I would either. If I had the opportunity to be around Jesus, and I saw him perform miracles and heal him teach, I wouldn't be excited to leave either. But he divorced the crowd. He sent them away. I imagine it took a while to get them all to leave. But don't miss this. Don't miss what he did there. Jesus walked away from the crowds so that he could be alone with his Father. He walked away from ministry in order to pursue intimacy with his Heavenly Father. Get away and get alone. Now, if you're a mom right now of a little toddler, you're probably thinking, boy, that sounds good. I'd love to get away and get alone, but that's just not possible. If you're homeschooling your kids, I'd love to get away and get alone, but you don't know my life. Or if you're working 60 or 70 hours a week, I would love to get away and get alone, but that's impossible. Can I just say to you, I understand, but let me just say something to you. It wasn't easy for Jesus either. There were always demands on his time. There were always people who needed him. Intimacy with God has to be a priority in our schedule or it won't be a reality in our lives. It won't be easy. You'll have to work for it. You'll have to plan for it. You'll have to try to rearrange things. But it has to be that kind of priority that I need to get away and I need to get alone and I need to spend time with my Heavenly Father. Which brings us to the third point. Talk to God. Very simple outline. Get away. Get alone. Talk to God. Look at verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself. Pray. Don't miss those last two words. He wasn't just getting alone from the crowd. He wasn't just getting away from the crowd. I'm sure that was a good break every now and then. But that was not his purpose. His purpose was to get away and to get alone so that he could talk to his heavenly Father. You see, you know this, but can I remind you, prayer is our vital link between us and God. Prayer is a vital link between us and and God. So mark this down. You don't drift into intimacy. If anything, we drift away from it. Intimacy with God doesn't just happen. It has to be an intentional part of our lives. It has to be and consistently pursued. After a busy time of ministry with the crowds, Jesus intentionally sought time to talk to God. Those private hidden moments with God are Really what matter most, aren't they? If you were to ask the 5,000 that day about, hey, what was it like that day? And uh, when Jesus was there, I'm sure they would have talked about the miracles. They would have talked about the, the healing, all the people they saw that got healed, or maybe they got healed. They would certainly have talked about his teaching, and they certainly would have talked about him feeding the 5,000. If you were to talk to the disciples about how that day went, certainly they would have talked about a lot of those things. Maybe they would have talked about what it's like to follow Jesus and see so much interest. And they would have had their perspective, but they would have talked about a lot of those same things. 
what none of them would have been able to talk about was his private time with God. But it's in those times when nobody sees and nobody knows that you find that intimacy with God and the power that comes from that. You see, it's in those times when nobody sees and nobody knows. And it's just you and God. It's in those times that God does His greatest work. The greatest calling on your life is not ministry. The greatest calling on your life is intimacy with your Heavenly Father. And Jesus modeled that for us. He modeled for us what it's like to be busy in ministry and yet to have intimacy with the Father as His greatest priority. Vance, Patman, uh, Vance Pittman said, you cannot lead what you do not live. Oh, you can fake it for a while. But long term, you cannot lead what you do not live. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want my message to outpace my life. Nancy DeMoss once said, when it comes to spiritual things, many of us are talking further down the road than we're actually walking. People in leadership, it's so easy to get involved in ministry and busy in ministry that we're talking further down the road than we're actually walking. The standard isn't perfection. You and I will never be perfect. We will never do this perfectly. But is there that desire in your life to have a genuine, intimate relationship with God? I began this message by asking you a question. I want to ask it again. What if intimacy with God became a daily priority in your life like social media is? Think of how your life would change. If you were as committed to intimacy with God as you are to Facebook or Twitter or any of the others. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with social media. I'm just making the point that the kind of relationship you have with the Lord depends on how much you're willing to invest in intimacy with Him. So this week, I want to challenge you to do three things. Very simple. Get away. Physically go somewhere else. Get away. Get alone. Get with God. Talk to Him in prayer. Get away. Get alone and talk to God. Seek intimacy with Him. And by the way, you don't have to do all the talking. Just get away. Get alone. Get with God. Maybe let Him talk to you some. And the more you focus on intimacy with your Heavenly Father, the more what's on His heart will get on your heart. Your greatest calling in life is not to do something for Him. Your greatest calling in life is to be with Him. And as you spend time with Him, you can do things for Him out of the overflow of your life. So I just want to read these verses to you one more time. Now that we've kind of taken them apart, I want to read them to you one more time. 
Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. It was the last time that happened in your life where you were just really alone. Bow our heads right now and pray about that. Of course, the greatest intimacy of all is when you have a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. Earlier, we were talking about what kind of relationship do you have, and we talked about creator or distant deity or an acquaintance. Has there been that time in your life where you know that you know that you know that you have turned from your sins and you have put your faith in Christ that He died on the cross for you? You see... Here's how desperately God wants to have a relationship with you, an intimate relationship with you. God wants that intimate relationship with you to such a degree that He allowed His Son to die for your sins in your place. God really wants you to know Him personally, intimately. And the day that you confess your sins and Place your faith in Christ. His death on the cross is the day that you can establish that intimate relationship with Him. Many of you have already done that. You would say, Pastor, I'm at least at level four right now. I have claimed Christ as my Savior. What about level five, that intimate relationship? I know your life is busy. I know it gets frustrating. My life gets busy too. And it gets so easy just to get comfortable in level four and try to keep my head above water. Jesus modeled for us in the busyness of life what it's like to say, but still, intimate times with my Heavenly Father will be a priority for me. Maybe right where you are, just ask the Lord, Father, this week, would you help me to remember that I need to get away? I need to get alone. And I need to get with you. I need to pray. Just ask Him to help you to do that at least one time this week. Just right where you are, just ask Him to help you to do that at least one time this week. Father, in the name that is above every name, thank You for Your Word that is encouraging and instructive. Your Word that You have pointed out to me first this week. You reminded me of how easy it is to get busy in ministry and neglect the one I am serving. So I pray that you would help me this week to get away, to get alone, and to talk to you. I pray you'd you'd move in our lives as we do that. May you develop in all of us this hunger, this thirst for intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Help us to live the scripture we've read today. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.